welcome to I'm Game with Fred Croner. Today I'm joined by Mike Halvey from Danville, who's the Chief Operating Office Officer of Newhoff Media, and they have locations not only in Danville, but Champaign, Decatur, Bloomington, Springfield, and Lafayette, Indiana. So Mike, welcome. Hey, Fred, it's great to see you and uh, Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you. I want to talk a lot about the, the media business today and how it's changed over the years. But, but first, uh, I want to offer my congratulations. I saw a nice newspaper story recently about you as the, uh, the Rotary's Vocational Service Award winner of the year. So that was uh, some nice recognition, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I, I certainly appreciate it. It was uh, a surprise and humbling. And when I look back at the previous recipients, and you've been honored a number of times, and so you know this is true. When you look at the recipients that have been honored in the past, just to be thought of, you know, in their company just blows you away. And Justice Rita Garman, former Chief Justice of the Illinois State Supreme Court, uh, Joe Tanner, four-time astronaut, Dr. David Dillman, a world-class uh, eye surgeon. My wife worked for him for 30-some years. Uh, Bill Black, legendary legislator, and the, the list goes on. So as someone had asked me just to be on the tour bus heading to Mount Rushmore to see the monument, because uh, those people are on the Mount Rushmore, it's really quite an honor. Well, you know, real quick story, you mentioned Bill Black there, and back in 1998, Bill Black and I were uh, the honorary co-coaches for John Spacia coached uh, the Andalaria Community College team. Uh, they, they won the game that day, but never asked us back, so I don't know. <laughs> Story was there. Well, I don't know who coached the offense or who coached the defense, but I know who gave the speeches. It wasn't you. Uh, you're exactly right. Yeah, I, I just kind of kept the stats and uh, said good job whenever they had a timeout. But uh, anyway, let's turn our attention to you. I have both been involved in this business for years and years, decades now. Um, lots of changes, I guess, to start off. What do you foresee for the future in both, uh, you know, the, the radio television industry as, as well as perhaps maybe the, the newspaper industry? Sure. I, I think technology is has been uh, so prevalent, you know, in our industries and in, in all of them. Uh, I, I say when asked about the newspaper business in particular, and then radio and television beyond that, and that is that the, that the demand for content has never been greater. I mean, people want to know it, the big changes how do they want that information delivered? When do they want that information? Uh, and then how do we all respond? And then from a business perspective, how do you monetize that demand? And that's been a huge change, certainly in the newspaper business with the, with the, with the digital evolution and in the radio business too. Uh, you know, I, I hold my phone in my hand. 10 years ago, there wasn't such a thing as an iPhone. And now Everyone has one in their hand, and if it's not within arm's reach, they get a little nervous, and they want information instantaneously, where in the days of old, and again, I remember when I was a young uh, guy growing up in Bloomington, Illinois, and the pantograph would be delivered to our house in normal, and the rule was nobody messed with the pantograph until my father got home. And then my dad would read the pantograph. We would watch Walter Cronkite. We would have a family dinner and discussion. And that was normal to, you know, say seven-year-old Mike Holvey. Well, my granddaughter is now seven and all of that is foreign to her. So things have certainly changed. 
Well, and you know, it's very interesting. You make a good point there because when I started in the newspaper business, I would go out and cover a ball game. I would come back, I would write the story and probably 98% of the people didn't know the outcome until they got the paper the next day. Now, or well, actually when I retired in 2015, I would walk out of the gym, there would be tweets and there'd be Facebook posts. Everybody knew the, the, the score and they knew who won. So it, it changed how we had to approach the news because we're not just telling the, the results of the game anymore. We've got to go beyond that. We've got to get the, uh, the perspective. Why did something happen? How did it happen? Uh, so on and so forth. So it really, you've got to become more of a, of a storyteller. Exactly. And, and it's, it, to me, that's what media has, has always done a really good job of is telling stories. We just have to tell a, a different side of the same story now that is, that, that is important. You know, again, radio broadcast live in the gymnasium. Uh, it goes beyond just the play-by-play broadcasters, you know, who are sitting there with the headphones on and giving you the description of the games. Chances are they're tweeting during timeouts. Uh, you know, you know, you're kind of living the moment um as you listen to the broadcast but at the same time you you kind of know what the score is as it goes on real time off of the radio broadcast through the these other electronic means at the same time the prevalence of live video streaming now through that are made available now at almost every high school has changed the dynamic as well so uh all of this too is about consumption right fred so people are still consuming. They want it. It's not that they don't care. They just want the information differently. And that's what, to me, has created some exciting opportunities for the future, recognizing that it's different than the past. When, you know, you mentioned an interesting point. You, you talk about the technology. And yes, on one hand, it's true. I mean, you can be in, in Okinawa and you can listen to WDAM or you can read the News Gazette online in Daytona Beach, Florida. So yes, it's great from that standpoint. But in terms of attracting advertisers, you know, if I'm in Okinawa, why would I want to advertise? If I'm in Daytona Beach, why would I want to advertise? So, you know, yes, it, ex it expands the area where, where you can reach, but it doesn't necessarily help the, the bottom line, does it? Right. That's where the, the my previous comment about the economics, and that's the big challenge, right? How do you create an economic model that is sustainable to, to provide this information? Because as someone who manages a you know, a small family run company, but we're in two different states and we have six different locations. Uh, you have to be able to monetize the business to be able to make sure it's good and strong to deliver the information that people want. But you're absolutely right. I, we have a saying in our company and it's called, we're in the business to sell hamburgers. So how do you sell a hamburger to somebody in Okinawa who's enjoying the live play-by-play, -play, which they're interested in from back home, but how do you make all that work so that you can pay the you know pay the announcers and take care of all the costs that are associated with it that's where the trick is you know today and in into the future so how how do you do that well it's interesting what you know you you, you look at different ways like uh, for instance i i'll use as an example uh, a a a great local family Doug Barnett and his his wife Teresa uh, many people in the community know him if he hasn't been on your podcast he needs to be uh, you'll get to answer two, ask two questions, then Doug will take off and, and run. But, you know, Doug and his family operate a local business, but he also is, a, he has a national footprint uh, as a agent. He does a lot of, uh, as Fred, as you know, he does a lot of work in the sports business representing NASCAR and IndyCar, and he's had NFL and NBA and other kinds of players um, that he represents as a sports agent. 
but he understands too the value of being able to provide this information to the local community. So he has been a tremendous supporter with us as an underwriter of our, of our local broadcasts. And in particular, what he sponsors is the web stream to be able to provide that information to the listeners wherever they may be with that hometown connection. So it's a bit of an underwriting uh, relationship as opposed to a direct sale commercial kind of relationship. And, and it works. It works for him. It works for the listener. It works for the radio station. So that's a different approach than the traditional McDonald's commercial that you hear during the timeout. So as you look back over about the last five years, how much of an impact do you think there's been from the cries of, of fake news? Do you think the, the mainstream media is believed anymore? Do you think they have the credibility that they, they used to have? Or what are your thoughts there? It's a good question because I think from a national perspective, and then this is away from sports, and that is people tend to, to lean to where what they believe. So they'll lean into a news agency or a source that is aligned with how they believe. The, the challenge is we have fewer options that would be neutral territory, right? So what is an unbiased reporting of the situation? And I don't wanna get into too much, too much politics, but you know, pick your situation. You know, if you believe one way or the other, you, you tend to, to, to gravitate to those organizations that align with you. And so your news comes from them and, and you rarely get the other side of the story. Um, and I think that's a detriment to, to individuals um, who truly want to know what's going on. That's at the national level. And I think we all recognize that. Um, you know, I, I read the Wall Street Journal. I think the Wall Street Journal is pretty right down the middle, except it may lean a little bit to the right, but it's not carrying anyone's political water. Um, you know, there are other organizations that people can't say that about on both sides of the political aisle. I think locally, what's you know what's value is that or what's valuable is that local voice, and this is where what's happened in the newspaper business is a detriment because the newspaper, the local newspaper back in the day did this better than anyone, right? It's, it's holding people accountable locally. It's being able to tell the story of what's happening. And then this is from a leadership and a governance perspective of what's happening in the, in the community. And the news gazette is just as good as, you know, as, as any paper anywhere, look at all the awards that, you know, that are in the trophy case. Um, and some of the local reporters who, that was their thing and, and remains that way as well as telling that story locally. So I don't want to see that go away. Um, and, you know, as I see newspapers closing and I see there's stories in our industry here at the end of 2021 uh, with some radio stations signing off the air for various reasons. I don't like to see that at all. I don't celebrate that um, in, in any way, shape or form. But um, back to your original question, it's challenging when the only thing you will access is what you believe. How do you know what the truth really is getting the other side of the opinion? And you know, the, the irony to, to what you were saying there about the, the local newspapers is that at a time when this is what the local newspapers need to be emphasizing, the, the local news, the school boards, the community news, the, the local sports coverage, you can't get that anywhere else. 
And yet what's happened, the local newspapers are cutting back. So they have fewer people working for them. So therefore you can't possibly do the same number of stories that you, you did back in the day. So therefore your, your local content goes down and you have to rely more on associated press stories from either statewide or, or nationally. So I mean, to me, it's kind of a, uh, a sad irony there because that was the one thing that local newspapers could do so well. Right, and it becomes how do you economically support you know that size of a news gathering organization and operation. Uh, I've I've said this in our own company. I've said it to many of my friends. If we could afford eight local news people in every market, that would be fabulous. You know, and you're out grinding away on all of this local content and local news, but economically it 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 doesn't support itself. And and actually nationally, our company has been very active with the National Association of Broadcasters. Beth Newhoff, our CEO, in particular. You know, on this issue of localism and journalism, you know, in the local communities, and there's a bill before Congress that uh, is talking about finding ways to support more local voices. Again, in the uh, smaller markets, I like to call it local markets in the in the country, so that we don't lose this opportunity to to tell these important stories and 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 report on the news. You know, I, I use Vermilion County as an example. In the not too distant past, and again, it's been some time, but I can remember it. I know I've got gray hair, but I'm not that old. Um, we had eight local news reporters working in Vermilion County in the radio medium, eight full time. Mm -hmm. Today we have one. All wow. the radio stations, there's only one full time. Um, and that's reality. There's there's lots of other ways to gather up information, but in terms of having full-time staff dedicated to broadcasting local news, again, all collectively, all the radio stations that 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 cover Vermilion County, we used to have eight. Today we have one. You know, it's no secret that uh, you know for newspapers and magazines that the circulation has been going down. I remember when I started with the News Gazette in, in March of 1981, we had right around 50,000 for our circulation. And I don't know the exact numbers now. I've heard it's down under 20,000. So um, what, what can be done to, to get that back? What can be done to gain uh, listeners to a radio station when, you know, you can get a new car and, and have serious radio and, and, you know, you can, you know, you can hear a Los Angeles station or, or whatever. What, what can be done for these the local stations and papers? Well, not abandoning local content is is a number one for for any of the you know for any of the media uh the value of local content telling local stories being involved in your local community you can't get that on xm in los angeles and granted on iheart or tune in or any of these aggregated audio sources from a radio perspective you can listen to anyone anywhere which is kind of cool uh but at the same time if you want to know what's going on in your hometown if you want to know what's going on in your community. For instance, this coming weekend, we've got a big snowstorm, maybe. Uh, you know, if it tracks to the north, we get rain. If it tracks to the south, we get a bunch of snow. Well, you're not gonna hear anything about that if you're enjoying the sounds of a Los Angeles radio station and you live in Muhammad, Illinois, all right? Los Angeles doesn't care about Muhammad, but exactly. you know, Champaign-Urbana cares about Muhammad. Dan you know, Vermilion County radio stations care about Oakwood. Uh, Decatur stations care about uh, Mount Zion, et cetera, et cetera. Bloomington cares about Leroy. So the local media, 
that service of a particular area, they mustn't ever give up that local tie and that local emphasis. Um, that's what keeps it relevant. And if you don't offer any of that, then you're gonna be like everybody else and it will eventually go away. What kind of feedback do you get from listeners? What, what things do they like? What things do they not like? What things do they wish you did more of or less of? Well, that's a great, great question and a long list. You know, it all depends what people's preferences are. For instance, in sports, we want more games or we want to hear more coaches or we want, you know, interesting information. You know, don't preempt, you know, my, you know, if you're a, a talk person, don't preempt my talk show for the Cardinal broadcast or don't preempt, uh, you know, a, a, an evening program with the Illini. If you're an Illini fan, can't you do more pregame? Uh, so it, it, it depends on what they like. Uh, people like to win prizes. They like to engage with personalities and talent. Uh, so those things are, are fun. Uh, people like to see the local media engaged in the community in different ways. Um, and on a serious note, like in Decatur, I'm very proud of our staff. A couple of years ago, as um, the opioid crisis was really escalating, and, and it's still very much a part of our, our environment, uh, our AM radio station, WSOY in Decatur, hosted a series of community town hall meetings live on the air. We streamed it on the internet. We had live broadcast. We assembled a panel of experts at, at Millican University and had a very serious conversation with the community on the issue from law enforcement to treatment to medical. Um, but those are things that people want. I mean, those are things that people need uh, in their community and to be able to pull it all together. Then you get, you know, you get listeners who don't like certain local personalities and they'll call and complain about something. And I love the story. I mean, it's happened to me. I, uh, we have an individual that someone may not like on the air and, and they call one day and they're giving me grief about it. And, and uh, I'll say, well, ma'am, as I told you yesterday, you don't have to listen. She goes, well, if I don't listen, I may miss something. I said, exactly. You don't have to agree, but understand that if you don't listen, you may miss something. And, and that's what I think we all want, right? If you didn't read the paper today, you missed something important. If you didn't listen to you know, a local show, you may have missed something important. If you didn't, if you missed the evening news on one of our local television stations, you may have missed a story that impacts a community that you live in. We got to make sure we keep doing that stuff. That's to me, the value. I know for years and years, you've been involved with the sports media camp in the summer out at Danville Community College. And I helped with that for probably close to two decades and loved it, absolutely loved it. Uh, we've had obviously a bunch of success stories, but my question is, when you see these young people that have an interest in that, what advice do you have for them? What, what do you tell them knowing how the, the industry has changed from the time you started that camp? Well, I go back to my own self and my own personal story. And that was, I was eight years old when my on-air light came on, uh, when I realized I wanted to be in the media business. And I went to a high school basketball game with my dad, who was a superintendent of a small district north of Peoria, uh, Mid-County, now known as Midlands. Uh, and we walked into the gymnasium that night with my dad and one of the local radio stations from LaSalle, Peru, were broadcasting my, the ball game at my dad's uh, school. And I look up and that was the first time that I'd ever seen a radio broadcaster. And they were sitting behind a table with a felt banner. They had the radio headphones on 
and and the thought that people were listening to the game that was happening in my dad's gym was just electric to me. Um, and at that point in time, that was it. Age eight, that's what I wanted to do. And by the grace of God and a lot of good luck and wonderful mentors along the way and friends, we've been able to, to be in the business since age 14 on. And so when a young person comes to me and say, I'm excited about this, or I want to learn more about that, I don't want to turn that light off. I mean, the realities are that the business is different for me, you know, at age 56 than what it was at age eight, but there's still lots and lots of opportunity. It's just different than what it was before. And I don't want to, I want to be honest with everyone to say, here's the challenges that the industries, that the industries have, but there's so many wonderful opportunities to be storytellers, to impact the community, uh, to be involved at many different levels. And so to the, to the young people, it's, first of all, look at the opportunities that they have right this very second. And again, I hold up my iPhone. When, when Fred, when you started coming over to the camp in Danville, and when Scott Eisenhower and I started it back in 1996, there was cassette tapes and microphones with cords. And if we wanted a guest speaker, they actually had to get in a car and drive to Danville and be, you know, be there. We then went to the point where people could call in on a, on a conference line and talk to our students. And now they are on video calls from all over the world sharing their experiences with our with our kids and our kids can actually be television producers today with the technology that's in their hands they can run their own podcasts and radio shows and and, and publish their own online content today i mean so the difference between my interest in doing it is literally minutes when you and i were kids fred it was years right so to me that's exciting it's different than what it used to be, but it's, it's, it's exciting. So that's what I tell the kids. And you're right. I'm super proud of them. And you, you know, you got a couple of kids started and one is a rock star. Isaac, uh, Trotter, yeah. Isaac Trotter, the Trotter boys, brilliant kids, very creative. They were, they were, they were a bunch of squirrels when they first came to the camp. <laughs> and now they are amazing young men and Isaac Trotter, who knows where his ceiling's at? It, it's incredible. And you are responsible for that. Well, he had to have the talent, though, but it was, it was fun to bring them over. I'll, I'll tell you that. So you mentioned a little bit ago about, uh, you know, people calling in, complaining about this or that, you know, something being preempted for something else. But yet I would think in the big picture, it's good to have that variety, right? To have the talk shows, to have the news, to have the sports, have the music rather than to be a station that 24 seven, you're, you're all talk or you're all news or you're, or you're all sports. Uh, talk about that aspect, having the variety. Sure. No, you're hundred percent right. And, and, and it's interesting because in our Bloomington, Illinois uh, group of radio stations, we're launching a brand new product at the beginning of 2022, which will be a blend of a music station and a talk station. Uh, something very unique. And again, it's, it's, we're adding layers to it, but the, the, the destination is kind of a talk music station. Uh, and we think it's the format of the future in terms of those individuals who wanna access information, but yet you know, they don't wanna listen constantly to, to talk, but that, that have an important voice in their community. And the radio station is really being built not on ratings, but it's being built on community engagement. And we're very excited about it. Um, it, it, it is beginning, 
it will begin at a point, but it is certainly a long way from where it will end. But that same concept is very much in, in our thought as we build this new radio station in Bloomington uh, for that very purpose. And not, you know, people don't listen all day, right? I mean, you, you have what's called TSL, uh, time spent listening in our, in our radio vernacular. And people don't listen all day. They listen for periods of time. Uh, but there's, you know, there's certain time that you want to be able to, to deliver meaningful content. And again, if all you do is play music, if that's all you do, Fred, there's a thousand places you can go get that a thousand places. But what you can't get is that information about Muhammad or that information about Leroy or that information about Mount Zion or that information about Oakwood. Um, just picking small communities at, at random. And that's what we have to be in the business of. We all do. What the, obviously that's one change that, that you're making as a, as a new year approach is changing the format. What, what are some other changes that you have done over uh, recent years? I think one of the, again, going back to technology, one of the exciting things is just the, the adaptation of technology and how, again, I hold my iPhone in my hand, but thanks to social media and digital uh, platforms, how we, and again, I'll, I'll speak as a radio broadcaster, has we have we've redefined what radio means. Right. Radio doesn't mean a transmitter anymore. It used to be, Fred, when 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 I was a little kid and, and you were a little kid, uh, radio was a device. Right. It was a toaster. It was it was a thing. Today, it's not. It means so much more. Again, it, it can be uh, that news reporter that's sitting in a new that, that's that's sitting in a city council meeting, tweeting out information about what's happening in front of them. It's still coming from a radio reporter. That's radio. Uh, we have platforms in our company that are exclusively video. It's coming from a radio company. It's really a local media company, but from the standpoint of, you know, people's perception is that's the radio station. But yet, if you go to Springfield, Illinois, and you go online to channel1450.com, it's probably the best local sports video site in America, in America. Hmm. Um, but it's coming out of a radio station. So the definition of radio has changed. It's the tools that we're using. I'm excited to see what the tools of the future are going to be. But whether it's Alexa or it's uh, Google Home or it's some device, you know, TikTok is the hot thing now. And, you know, that's a 15-second world. So what's the technology of the future going to be to tell the stories, to engage with your community, to serve your community? It's kind of exciting to see what direction all of that is happening. No doubt. Well, I have pretty well covered my questions, unless there's anything else you'd like to add, Mike. No, I just want to say thank you, Fred, for all of your contributions to the local communities over the years, and um, certainly to the radio uh, audience in Danville for, uh, I don't know, 20 plus years. You were a voice for about 15 minutes every Saturday morning on WDAN, and I always enjoyed you saying, well, I will go out to different ball games and cover different sports, and I'll get more comments about comments and things that we discussed on the radio in Danville than I do about the columns that I wrote. Very true. Very true. <laughs> so I, I always, I always appreciated that, but I, I thank you for your years of service and your, uh, your recent hall of fame induction in, in uh, Muhammad, a well-deserved honor, my friend, a well-deserved honor. Well, thank you. A quick story before I let you go. you mentioned earlier, I should have Doug Barnett on, which I, I haven't done yet, but I did recently have John Spasia on. And as you know, the nickname for Spasia is uh, Coffee and Donuts because you ask a question and 
then you can go out and get coffee and donuts and, and come back and he's still talking. But I'll tell you what, when I interviewed him, I had to actually ask him more than two or three questions. So <laughs> also a wonderful guy who's given a lot to absolutely. the team. Yeah. Absolutely. And coaching now at Los Alette. So all right. We've been talking today to, to Mike Hallway, the Chief Operating Officer for Newhoff Media, which has locations in Danville, Champaign, and uh, four other locations around Illinois and Indiana. Thanks again, Mike, for your time. Thank you, Fred. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.